If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Hopeful Hints, hosted by Dr. Tara, guides and supports those on the often challenging and isolating journey of women's health concerns and infertility. There's a particularly powerful episode that you should check out called All Things Endometriosis, which dives deep into understanding the condition to help the many women who suffer from endometriosis and have no idea they have it, and healthcare providers who are uneducated about it, making the diagnosis process so difficult. Check out Hopeful Hints on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Dr. Erica here, and it is time for another episode of Better with Dr. Erica. This episode explores the impact of history on your mental health and features a real-life historian. Yes, a historian. The featured guest is Dr. Miller Bill Boyd III, and he's an educator and consultant on top of being a historian. Now, every day we are creating history and having knowledge and awareness of history allows us to learn from the past to create a better future. In addition, history can also impact your mental health. Even if you have never been one to enjoy history class, this episode has something for you. So stay tuned into the last moment to get all of these pearls of wisdom. Now the questions this episode will answer includes, what are historical events that everybody needs to know? How do preconceived notions of others impact relationships and behavior? Can history inspire hope? Is there more to black history than slavery? How is COVID impacting history? And what is the value of communicating with friends and family? So see, it's gonna answer a lot of questions. Now, even if social studies was not your jam, keep listening. This episode goes far beyond making sense of this moment of history that we are living in. Also, this episode is filled with shareable moments. So let me tell you how we do it in Better Nation. Post your favorite quotes or points on social media with the hashtag Better Nation. Now you know who's on the episode what's on the episode and how to share it so you're ready to enjoy the actual episode so let's get to it Better with Dr. Erica. hey welcome everyone this is dr erica welcome to this episode of better with dr erica where i bring my over 20 years of experience in human behavior through being a double board certified psychiatrist directly to you but i'm not giving you therapy today i have a guest that i'm so excited because you know what y'all I don't know that many historians, but I know one. Do y'all know any historians? So I'm so excited to bring on one of my super friends who is an actual real life historian. You hear me? For real, for real. So his name is Miller Bill Boyd, um, or we could say the third, all those numbers. You've got so many numbers in your name. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm so excited to have him here with us today. So before I tell you a little bit about him, the first thing I just want you to know is that this brother is cool. He's so cool. Thank you. And he's so smart. And he knows stuff that I'm going to tell a confession. Social studies behind badminton were the hardest classes for me. <laughs> I know. Remembering dates is like the bane of my existence. <laughs> so it's like social studies. I would get good grades, but I actually had to put forth a little bit of effort in social studies. So um, you have a superpower probably with one of my biggest weaknesses, minus badminton and tennis. I, I mean, like I was literally getting C's and D's in PE in college over tennis and badminton. I don't know. Um, if you all could see him doing this big wow <laughs> <laughs> over uh, my badminton and tennis struggles. So let me tell you a little bit about my, my boy. 
So I told you he's really super smart, um, which means he's super intelligent. I'm just so excited. I'm so excited. He is very community oriented. He is a dad. He's been a teacher. He's also taught in college. He's a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. He's just has done all of the things. And as we said before, reading bios isn't my ministry. So, Bill, can you tell the people a little bit more about yourself? Or should I be calling you Dr. Bill today? It, Bill is fine. Uh, Erica, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me on the show. It is a pleasure to see you virtually. I know people out in TV land or in podcast land can't see, but I, it's great to see your big big St. Louis smile and your ways. Yeah, it's great. So uh, Miller, Bill Boyd III, uh, born and raised in St. Louis. Uh, for those in St. Louis, those from St. Louis, we always ask, where did you go to high school? Well, I attended Clayton High School. Uh, graduated in the mid-90s, left, uh, and went off, off to Xavier University of Louisiana down in New Orleans. And at that time, I did something that was uh, rather unique. I decided to major in theology. Uh, I thought about going into the ministry, and it was interesting because Xavier's Catholic University, I consider myself half Catholic. My mother's Catholic, my dad was Methodist. But we all kind of you know, bummed around to each other's church. Uh, but I was the only theology major in the entire university. What? Yeah, I was the only one. Uh, but after I got some actual lessons in theology, uh, it's not what I thought it was. It was more philosophical, and uh, I quickly switched to sociology, but still kept my ties with theology, and still a, uh, an, it's still an interest of mine. Uh, I wanted to help people. Uh, I eventually graduated, um, and the crazy thing is, is that how I uh, did at Xavier was very different than how I did in high school. I graduated with a 2.5 GPA in high school. Uh, I got off to Xavier, really got inspired, got a good peer group, and graduated top of my department. I uh, was uh, awarded the fifth highest honor that the university bestows upon a graduating student. So I really turned it around and I, I tell my current students, like, you know, even if you have some hiccups along the way, you can turn it around and you can work hard, but it, it will take a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication. So when I, I graduate, huh? I would have never guessed you ever had a 2.5 in life. That's what my students said, but it, it was the truth. And, and I tell it because, you know, there are a lot of intelligent students out there, but they have to find their way. They have to find a, a way to learn and a way that is advantageous to them. Yes, people can tell you about strategies, but you really have to develop your own. Um, so I always say there's hope. For, for students who might have, you know, slacked off a little bit along the way. So when I graduated Xavier, I really had no idea what I was gonna do with my life. I bounced around from different industries and I was uh, working in a financial institution. I taught first and second grade. And then uh, I was a financial advisor, selling mutual funds, annuities, and doing uh, financial planning. Uh, but my life changed around 2003. And this is when one of my, my best friends, one of my fraternity brothers from college, uh, came into St. Louis for a conference and we're having dinner, uh, you know, having, you know, just catching up. And in the middle of the conversation, he stops and looks at me and he says, you're not happy, are you? And his words really stung. And he continued, he said, stop chasing money and go and do what makes you happy. And it really was the first time I, somebody had given me permission. My parents basically allowed me to major in whatever I wanted to. But it was really the first time someone gave me permission to chase a passion uh, for as a career. And it was at that time that I basically, at 28 years old, after my friends had gone to law school, medical school, whatever, uh, I went back to college. I went back to grad school at 28 years old and um, got a, a full ride to Boston University for my master's in African-American studies, uh, studied under some great uh, historians and thought I was going to go directly into a doctoral program. But life has a way of throwing a wrench into your plans. My dad uh, got sick. Uh, he had colon cancer. And I returned to St. Louis to help my mother take care of him and, until he passed. And several months later, I was at the University of Mississippi where I'd get another full ride. And I was, you know, for the second time in a row, being the oldest person in the program. Now, my first of all, my father graduated college in, in the 50s. He said, you're going where? because he remembered what Mississippi, University of Mississippi was like. 
Uh, I said, yeah, that's where I'm going. Um, but secondly, after about a semester, you know, I called my mother. I was 32 years old at the time. I mm -hmm. said, and we, we talk about advice that mothers give. I said, mom, I feel like I'm too old for this. And she said something that once again changed my life. She said, Billy, as she called him, you're either going to be a 40 year old with a PhD or a 40 year old without a PhD. What's your choice? And after that, I really shut up. Uh, but it took me eight years uh, on top of the master's I already had to get my PhD in history. Uh, I graduated, I've, I've defended my dissertation about a month and a half before I turned 40. And um, my research is on the African American, my primary research is on the African American experience during the Civil War in Missouri. Uh, I taught at the University of Mississippi for six years, um, had a tenure track job offer outside of the university, but um, decided to come home. I, I got an offer from a private high school in St. Louis uh, that was really doing some amazing things. And I, I took a leap of faith. And last week I just started my fifth year. I'm very glad to be there. Uh, the schools allowed me to continue writing. Uh, I do a lot of work with the Missouri History Museum on African-American and Civil War history, and um, also venturing into consulting. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, I'm also the father of two great kids, uh, Julian, who is gonna be 16 in November, and my daughter, Janelle, who is four years old. Uh, yeah. Well, welcome back to the Lou. If I, if I could, let me not even tell that laws, but like, if I could move back, I'm like, you now should. I'm you should. Now I'm <laughs> you know, we talked about what it'll take. It would take, it would take a wealthy, successful, <laughs> handsome, disease-free, heterosexual male that would want to live in two cities or more. <laughs> Who knows? You know, you, you never know. There, there might be a needle in a haystack waiting for you. Ready but to I, you. I always love coming home. I, I just yeah, we love sure having you. again, but I can't say I'll never live there because I moved back twice when I said I would never live there again when I finished high school. And some of our mutual friends are saying the same thing, but I think they're leaning in that direction as well. A well, lot of great things going on in St. Louis. It, it, it calls you back. I'm still, I'm still, my feelings are still hurt over Culpepper's and Oh, I still oh, do not gosh. have a chicken wing option that makes me happy with the chicken wings or the people uh, and, watching. And the ranch dressing. I wish they bottled that stuff. Yes, because I'm not even a ranch fan, but that house dressing on that salad with those oh, croutons oh. and those ever so thinly sliced bread onions. <laughs> yes, they would make your breath stink for about 10 you days after. The wings and a salad was my jam. Six wings and the salad, yes. You know, I mean, they've got Culpepper's out there in St. Charles, but I know it's probably not the same thing. I don't know well, where the same Well, I know someone said they still had the one downtown, and I'm like, Downtown? No. Well, they have one downtown. They always have one downtown. I never knew that. Mm -hmm. But to me, it doesn't count. I want the one, the one in the West End had the best food. It did. It was there for 80 years. I know it's the best location. I know. Now, Brennan's yeah, is I'm back open, though, so there's part of your... Your mid uh, 20s and 30s. It's not the same. Not the same. Not the not same. The, same. The, the chicken wings made me so happy. <laughs> but last time I was home, I just looked over there and I walked across the street to Starbucks and almost had tears drop into my matcha latte. <laughs> Singing memories, right? Basically. The way yes. we used to be. Yes, that's all of that's all of what happened, but um, so um, I want the people to get to know you just a little bit more with a few okay. this or that questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. The first one is burgers or kale? This is an easy one. Even though I'd like to portray myself as a healthy eater, uh, you know that I'm not one. I'm working on, I'm a work in progress. Give me the burger and let it bleed. I, I, I'm not hating. I've been on a burger kick lately. And it's been a beef burger kick. Now We've been talking a lot about food today. I'm getting hungry. Uh, yeah, I had a little edamame oh. between you and I see patients sometimes on the weekend. So I had some edamame. It's not the same. Right. Would be better. Um, the next one is beach or mountains? Beach. Um, beach because I've, I've only gone to the mountains really a couple of times. And the time that I went into Colorado... I got altitude sickness, 
So I'm not really fond of that. Uh, beaches are part of my uh, childhood memories. Uh, my mother's from Mobile, Alabama, oh, and okay. we would, um, right there in the Gulf, would go down there and swim and relax. And it, it's a wonderful thing. Very peaceful. Oh, I love it. The next one is Marvel or DC? Oh, that's easy. Marvel. 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 Have you watched that new series, What If? So it's on my list of things to do. I want to see the ones about um, Chadwick Boseman. I heard them. Oh, yes, the one where if, if, if T'Challa was Star-Lord. That's what I heard. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm going to watch that today. I'm yeah. watching Narcos right now, but uh, I'll have to check that one out. They should have a new episode of What If out. Um, but yeah, that one was good. I did. The interesting thing is I wasn't extremely interested specifically in the um, Peggy Carter being um, Captain America. I haven't seen that one. That was the first one. Okay. Still intriguing. I was I was pleasantly surprised. I'll have to check it out. I. Uh, but you ask about Marvel DC. I will say the Batman movies, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, were everything. everything. And I, I do have a soft spot for Black Lightning. <laughs> I watched it for a few seasons on CWN. Just gotten busy, haven't caught up. I'll have to oh, check yeah, it out. I won't lie. I always end up watching it on like Netflix. <laughs> I've never watched it when it was actually really running. Is it still running? No, um, it's over. Okay, I'll have to check it out. I'll have to go back and watch it. That was a good show. Yes. And the last one is Mac or PC? Uh, PC. Uh, I haven't been on a Mac, really, since I was in middle school, late 80s, uh, early 90s. Um, I had to get a new phone the other day because my phone went kaput. And I refuse to get an Apple phone. Uh, I just see everybody who has them. Uh, with broken, uh, you know, the broken uh, glass on the front of it, everybody's breaks it easily. It's just like, it's like, uh, what was that uh, movie, Mr. Glass, Samuel L. Jackson? Ooh, yeah, you just blow on it and it cracks. Never trust an iPhone that doesn't have a crack in it. So you, you don't trust mine? Wow, that, that is a unicorn right there. I had no credit. <laughs> Not yet. But I'm not trying to put Ooh. that out there. I'm not trying to put that out there in the universe for you. Do y'all out there hear all of the hateration and the dancery, the holleration hateration? <laughs> it's an android life, dear. It's an android life. I still love you. I love you in all of your I android. I do too. I love you back. Red hands so, unite back in my head. Red I have a question for you. So we we talked about some of your your journey to ending up being a historian. Is it all that you thought it would be, or is it more? It's better. It's, it's, it's more because I've always loved history. Uh, my parents, especially my father, really kind of instilled a, a love of history, a love of family history, a love of black history in me. And, you know, it was something I, I thought of as a hobby, as an interest. But, you know, before the age of 28, I never really thought about doing it as a career. And getting into it, uh, his, you know, becoming a historian, being a historian is not easy. I always tell people who want to go back uh, to grad school, who you know want to get the title of doctor, make sure you love what you do because you are going to be immersed truly in the field. I love history. I'm a history nerd. When I'm bored and don't feel like um, grading more papers, I will do like random genealogy research uh, on my family. Um, I read handwritten uh, 19th century documents from the Civil War. I love doing that stuff. Um, it's, it, it's what made me come, it's make, what makes me come alive. And, you know, I proudly at, at 45 years old, I call myself a history nerd and I, I'm unapologetic about it. So oh, history, wow. it's, it's, it's intense because it teaches you to scrutinize narratives, to do your research, uh, to make sure that your arguments are sound, uh, and make sure there's evidence to what, for, you know, for what you're saying. And so it's made me a better, I think it's made me a better person overall. Uh, in terms of knowing how to verify information, how to form an argument, be open-minded, and be willing to change your mind when evidence is, uh, to the contrary, uh, pops up. Wow. And you know what? If you all could see him, he lit up. 
I haven't seen him light up like that about anything other than chicken wings and his family. I was like, uh, yeah, culpers. Yes, I lit up when he said that. Like, like the chicken wing glow while he was. <laughs> Like Bruce Leroy, at uh, color peppers, chicken wing glow. It's it's not the orange. It's like the the uh, what is it? The the red hot sauce, red kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Yeah. Lighting okay. up like your smile. Oh, thank you. And I'm just gonna warn people. Apparently, we're gonna talk. Up, we're gonna make food history because I believe we are hungry during this taping. Oh, we are. Uh, I made some West African food uh, the other day, and there's a smidge of it left. And I'm, I'm thinking about that right now. I looked in the refrigerator, it's still there in the corner of the pot. And man, you wanna make me another uh, pot of it maybe tomorrow if I can. It's about to go down. Oh, it's about to go down. It is. So, oh my God, this is a great conversation. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back with more conversation from my amazing guest and yours truly on Better with Dr. Erica. Better with Dr. Erica. Let me introduce you to Better Nation. Better Nation is the community of people that follow the Better with Dr. Erica podcast that are like you and want to be better, do better, and live better. By becoming a member of Better Nation, you also get to receive member-only bonus content to put you officially in the inner circle. Show notes with timestamps so you don't have to search for your favorite moments and some bonus free coaching tools. So visit joinbetternation.com that's joinbetternation.com to become a VIP and be a part of Better Nation. It's time for the better tip of the week. I've been watching Christmas movie after Christmas movie after Christmas movie. If you don't know, you now know that Christmas movies are my jam. My tip comes from these movies. It is simply to follow your heart. So often the protagonist is stuck in a job or unfulfilling relationship and then gets clarity in some adorable small town that usually has a guy that looks exactly like Santa Claus. Now, you don't need to go to a small town and fall in love or buy an inn to listen to your heart and intuition. There is a freedom and joy to following your heart, which will lead you to living in your purpose and making decisions aligned with your values. See, Christmas movies are for more than entertainment. Back to the show. Better with Dr. Erica. So one of the things I would ask, especially since a huge issue that it seems like we have, I won't say everywhere, I can speak, speak about this country, is the short-term memory of anything that has ever happened before and all yeah. of this rewriting of history. Do you, if you had to narrow it down to a few specific events that every single person needs to know about or a few historical things, what would it be, would be like your, your top things that everybody needs to know about? Oh, wow. Um, well, thinking about my, my, my particular field, African-American history, I think understanding the beginning of the transatlantic slave trade is really important and also putting the American wing of the trade into context with the broader context of uh, colonization in the Western Hemisphere. You know, a lot of people talk about 1619 and the 1619 Project, but, you know, enslaved Africans came over to the Western Hemisphere forcibly starting as early as 1501, coming over to uh, Saint-Domingue, uh, Haiti, Dominican Republic area, uh, the island of Hispaniola, and the, the majority of enslaved people came not to what is now the United States, but went into Hispaniola, Brazil, South America, and so forth. And what happened in the United States was just part of a, a larger uh, pattern uh, that really transformed the world and, and led Europe on the path for really about a 500 year of dominance. Um, I think it's important because when we think about what it means to have created a modern world. We have to be very honest about it in, in, in so many different ways. We have to acknowledge uh, what was done was horrible, number one. Uh, number two, that Africa did have slavery prior to the onset of the transatlantic slave trade, but it was different. Uh, another thing that we have to note is that a lot of people think that Africa was outside of kind of the known world at the time. It was kind of isolated. And the reality was, was that it was well integrated into markets in uh, Africa and uh, the Middle East, what is now the Middle East, 
Europe and Asia, going back, you know, several hundred years prior to that, really seven thousand, seven several thousand years, and understanding that, and I've had to tell students this. You know, a lot of students when we start talking about slavery, they automatically think this is part and parcel of this narrative of people who are quote unquote black being always perpetually at the bottom of the Latin social ladder. And I tell students, don't look at the last, don't look at history as like a snapshot. Look at it as a panel, look at it as a panorama. Because if we go back longer than that, we see a more even distribution of wealth, power, art, science, and so forth. So those are a few things that I would think. I think also if we think about the modern context uh, as it relates to slavery and the Civil War, we're just, you know, we're 150 years removed from that. Uh, they were people who were enslaved, who lived until the 1940s. You know, the last person to experience the transatlantic slave trade uh, when the last ship was snuck into Mobile Bay in 1859 only died in 1940. My dad was six years old at the time. Uh, I look at my own family history. I'm the third generation on my dad's side born free in this country. Third generation. Um, I remember doing a lecture for uh, some of my students and I talked about how I was just born, you know, just several years after the uh, Civil Rights Act was passed and the Voting Rights Act was passed. I'm the first generation of my family born with the full rights and privileges of citizenship. And I found in my parents' house a newspaper clipping on the day I was born in 1976. And it said, Supreme Court outlaws uh, segregation in private schools. And it blew my mind because it would be possible if that was not outlawed that I may have not been able to attend the school that I teach at right now. So it's, we are still very much connected to the past. People tell you to get over it. 150 years is not a long time. 45, 50 years is not a long time. Well, and the amazing thing is you brought up that reference to the news clipping is one of the amazing things is you have conversations with people and there's so many people that are like the first and the only and it's like, but it's 2021. Right. <laughs> and we're still in the midst of all of these firsts. And I, I love the context that you brought up with the transatlantic slave trade, along with just the roles of the African diaspora um, in the kind of the global culture, because it really impacts a lot of people's identity. And that's not just the identity of people of the African diaspora, but it affects the perception of identity, um, especially for the Black community, self-talk, the way we talk to ourselves and what we think of ourselves. Mm -hmm. It also impacts relationships and connectedness. Um, there are just so many things that are impacted by this. And it also impacts other people's ability to connect to us because of the predisposition um, I'm about to say predisposed, like I'm back in medicine. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone has these perceptions of who people are before they meet them, which impacts how they interact and how they may have interpersonal relationships and connections. I, I totally agree with you on that. And I think one of the things, uh, another thing I do want to point out is that, you know, we lump all black people consciously or unconsciously into one category, just blackness. Race, as, as we know it now, is, is a modern creation in the last 500 years. And you've got to see things through the lenses of ethnicity, uh, religion, language, and so forth. And when we think about all the people who came from various places had to come together to work and to survive. And all of these different traditions, these cultural and regional and ethnic traditions, really melded. And I always tell people there is not one singular African-American experience. African-American experience is. Um, I look at my own family and the history of my mother's side living in Mobile in New Orleans going back 300 years where part of my mother's family was emancipated in, in 1776. Whereas on my father's side, you know, and, and where my mother was from, you know, gumbo, jambalaya, Mardi Gras, and, and those kind of traditions were really important. My father was from Eastern Tennessee and his father was from the western part of the state of Virginia. And, you know, they had a very different culture and recognizing that there is a diversity uh, of 
thought, diversity of life and experiences within the black community. Uh, I think it's really important so that people are comfortable in their blackness and in their own identities. I love it. And especially because there's been so much conversation and I know you've, you've lived up in Boston too. And I always remember when mm-hmm. I first came up to Boston and for all of you that may not have lived here, there are, it's, it's amazing as, and I guess I can say this somewhere as racist as Boston can be. <laughs> it's amazing that there's so many different communities here. It's um, yeah. I feel like you gave me a face. I did. Um, I was that wrong for saying places. that it can be racist up here? Was I wrong? No, no, no. I, I think you undersold it. <laughs> I think uh, you undersold it. Well, I mean, it's it's like you know, it's like you have a pretty robust Cape Verdean community here, yeah. and through Rhode Island, um, a, a really robust um, Dominican Island community yeah. here too, and. And for me, one of the biggest things was this is where I started making friends of people um, that were of the diaspora, but of other cultures, and then started understanding the context of why some of them may not necessarily, as African-Americans, a, a lot of people I knew and myself would be kind of like, well, we're Black. Right. And I think meeting other people helped me start having a context of how everything isn't as Black and white as sometimes yeah. I was brought up to believe as far as some people didn't necessarily identify with us. It didn't mean that they were against us. And, you know, you look and you're like, but you darker than me. <laughs> but but the construct of race where they're from is very different yes. than this construct of race that we have in the United States Correct. that is very based on skin color. Mm-hmm. Whereas I met a lot of people from different countries and somebody would be like, well, I'm, you know, I'm from Trinidad or I'm Bayesian or something like that. And they may not identify with being black the way we would say black, right? right. but it wasn't that they were against the blacks. It, it's just the their construct was different. Well, it's definitely different. And we are, you know, I choose to call myself African-American because that's the, the best term that I can use for myself in terms of my own family's ethnic and historical experience in this country, which is very particular and very, you know, it's it's a narrowly defined kind of experience in, in that regard. And while people in the diaspora, especially those maybe who've never been to the United States and experienced what we've experienced, you know, after a while and understanding us and not just simply listening to what has been told to them by people abroad, they will identify with us in, in a certain form and fashion, but still they maintain their own identity as, let's say, uh, Yoruba or Nigerian or, as you said, Bayesian or Trinidadian, right? They can be both. And we can come together in a, in a place where we're all kind of on this, this one level, but we also have to, you know, recognize the, the unique parts of, and aspects of their own individual cultures. Amen. <laughs> the doors now, of the church are now open. Yes, they're they're open. And and on this note, it, it feels like we're in a a pivotal historical moment right now um, between the pandemic, all of the racial injustice, um, political drama. <laughs> it, there's, it seems like there's literally been all of the things going on. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like we're in a major historical moment and, and what makes it feel that way or not feel that way for you? So everything is history. Uh, everything that happened is, is a historical moment. I think it's the, the intersection of so many different things happening. And really the, the racial injustice that we are now seeing and it's being sent out and uh, on social media, it's been in the news, really is nothing new but we now have the ability to transmit that information and those images and those videos to millions, if not billions of people in a, in a very short period of time. All this is, is what has been going on for a very long period in our history. And it's just, it's, 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 as they say in the Bible, it's nothing new under the sun. This is nothing new. And I, I think in a way, we are seeing some shifts and maybe perhaps going back in the wrong direction. 
with these voting restrictions in these individual mm -hmm. states and you know the inability of certain political groups to attract a, a diverse uh, electorate. And it is scary because you know you would think of history as linear, as things being better than it was for our parents. You know, our parents talked about the civil rights movement going into you know black owned you know black only doors and black drinking at black only water fountains. And we thought that, especially with us going to integrated schools and you know, getting to know people about the culture, that things were going to continue trending upwards. You know, we hit an apex, of course, with the election of Barack Obama in, in certain respects, not in every respect of our kind of racial progress. But I think I see we going us going in the wrong direction. And I think that people who have understood or thought they were on the fringes in terms of the ideology about race, you know, were marginalized. And on the fringes, they are now they have now been given a platform and they have been somewhat legitimized by political leaders uh, and television networks that are really using them to make money. And I think, you know, we are at a pivotal moment where we go from here. I don't know, um, but we have to do better. We want a better, uh, you know, better world for our, for the future. And uh, we'll have to fight it for it. And I think, you know, when you add COVID to the mix, uh, a lot of people are tired and weary. And how do you do that? Do you resign yourself to saying that this is, this is, um, you know, this is the end and things are going to get worse and it's always going to be like that? Or do people still have a fight in them to say, okay, I still can salvage this society. I still can make this world a better place. And it's, it's a hard thing. And I think, you know, we are in our 40s. We've seen a lot of things happen. We remember Rodney King, remember the whole O.J. Simpson divide and in that. And we're at an age where we're seeing cycles, we're seeing patterns. And, you know, sometimes, honestly, sometimes it feels hopeless. Uh, and other times, you know, we are hopeful that things will get better. And so it's, it's, it's an interesting time, I'll say that. Well, and um, I love that you you brought out kind of this duality of the emotions of the moment, because for me and for a lot of the people I work with, it's it's almost like you have to have people that can be agents of hope mm -hmm. to help remind people or hold people so that they can gain hope, because there are times where people are going to slide in in and out of hope. Yeah. Um, because there are so many very intense things going on. But one of the things that makes me hopeful is the capacity of humanity and the human spirit to be better, do better, and live better. Yes. But to do that, we have to be willing to learn, grow, tap into spiritual resources. You have to really run away from cynicism. And it's and, easy to become cynical, nihilistic. Um, you know, uh, me and one of my, my colleagues, we talk about this new version of Du Bois' concept of double consciousness. And we say it's where you are surprised about something happening, but not really surprised. And, you know, that can definitely breed cynicism, but we need to make sure that we're around hopeful people and give them the energy, the platform to try to make a better world. And I, I think a huge thing is, is we may, it's going back to that old stuff that I feel like our parents used to say, and, and we say also in therapy, is that you can, may not be able to control the whole world, but you are in control of you. Mm, and with that, that control, we, we do have some level of control of how we're going to perceive the world and how we're going to react to the world, what our values are and how we're going to move forward. And I feel like one of the biggest challenges for all of us is to, number one, to be educated about what's going on in our world, what has happened before, because I think all of us are just seeing history continuing to repeat itself. And one of the ways history repeats itself is because people aren't aware of what happened before. So people do the same stuff over and over and over again. Amen and amen. Um, versus there have been some historical moments where culture seems to not had such a short memory. Um, so I think on, on one hand, it's important for all of us 
to be educated. Um, it allows us to be better humans. It allows us to be better allies. Um, and it also allows us to be able to connect with the people that are going to really be about bringing positive change. Yes. yes. The other thing that I think is huge is being able to maintain healthy connections and interpersonal relationships. Yes. Because in the midst of the high levels of stress and the intense emotions, and for a lot of people, this has been a season of a lot of loss. Yes, it's, it's going to yes. be these connections and relationships that not only give you hope, but also give you support. And so save I, you, really, from the yeah. madness of being cooped up in the house and not being able to interact as we've done in, you know, the rest of our lives in, in the before times. In the, I feel like it's like it, you can't do it like you would want to because there's B, you know, BC before Christ. You can't be like BC before COVID. Be right. Yes. Right. But right. it's before like there's kind of before before in COVID. You know, now we're during COVID, and I, I think one of the things that's so hard for a lot of people is they really thought we were over the hump and it was about to be over, and oh. it's it's not. And I feel like the one of the biggest tests for everyone is this entire pandemic itself has been a lesson in adaptability. How adaptable are you? Mm -hmm. How flexible can you be with change? And it appears to be really that the more flexible and adaptable you are, the better you're going to feel because the playing field keeps changing. It does. And I think even when in the midst of all of this, this change and this instability, I think the core of it is, is love. It's your friendships. It's your family connections. Um, and maintaining those uh, in a way that allows you to stay connected, but also stay safe. And I know for me and, and my close network, uh, being able to see friends and talk to them, uh, to be in a pod with them, you know, it has, has kept me steady and sane and able to, to navigate this thing. And, you know, I think I really came to appreciate uh, the, the friends that I have, but also the type of feedback that they give. And just, you know, I, I always wondered, I'm like, you know, what do people who don't have friends like the ones that I have, how are they making it? And I really encourage people to talk very plainly and openly to your friends to have people who you can trust, people who you can vent to, uh, so that you don't hold all this stuff in, whether it's good, bad, sad, whatever. You know, you want people in your life who you can trust and be your authentic self with, but who can also give you those things that you need, whether it's like a pat on the back, whether it's like, I'm here to help you, or to say, hey, you're making the wrong decisions and you should look at it this way. You need that. And it, I think it's really more apparent in these type, in this time in the age of COVID? Well, it's huge. And one of the things is people don't know you're hurting or you need something if you don't tell them. Correct. You know, this is not the time to have the expectation that everyone in your life be a mind reader. Correct. So I'm a huge fan of asking for help and staying in communication with those that you love. And it's important for also to, to recognize that somebody might not be able to articulate their needs and saying, hey, are you okay? Are you all right? I mean, I do it with my students. I do it with my friends. I do it with my family because we're not going to make it to the top. We're not going to make it to a place of peace without each other. We have to, to watch out for each other uh, and, and be a community. Why in my head? I've, I've admitted to the people that listen to my podcast at my brain. Um, I'm a little bit like Allie McBeal. <laughs> but as you started talking, my brain started playing We Are the World. We are the children. We are the children. Yes. We are the ones to make a better place. So let's start living. Let's start, start living. As children <laughs> making we're all us. That's why we got through this whole thing. <laughs> I know. Oh my lord. Well this we is the children of the future. Teach them well let them lead the way. I know. I mean, it just lets you know how good old school songwriting was. <laughs> right, right, right. It works very well for spoken words. 
Oh, it does. It does. It does. So listen, this conversation is nothing without you. So stay right there and we will be right back after a message from our sponsors. Better with Dr. Erica. It's time for What's Up with Dr. Erica. The Kyle Rittenhouse trial ended this week with a whole lot of not guilty verdicts. Now, due to the work I've been doing in therapy and with mindset, I had a Zen that I have been very invested in keeping. So despite the injustice of this despite the injustice of this situation, I've been able to stay Zen and continue to commit myself to ways to make the world better. I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with being angry. I probably would have been more angry or had more intense emotions without all this therapy I've been doing. Um, but the lesson here is to simply proactively protect your mental health. When you feel your mental health barometer signaling that you are out of balance, immediately start thinking of ways to restore that essential balance. At the end of the day, we can all work to be change agents, but we need our mental health intact to do that. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Better with Dr. Erica. All right. So the first one is, the first question is, what is the best lesson you've learned from your mom? Uh, best lesson I learned from my mother is to uh, work hard. Uh, never think that your time has passed uh, and to, you know, chart your own path. I love it. The next one is, what's one piece of advice you'd like to give to your younger self? Trust your instincts, trust your gut. Um, you know, you've cultivated a, a great mind, an analytical mind, but there's some things that you might not understand fully at this point, but trust that the process uh, will work out and trust that, you know, whatever kind of sensory messages are coming to you by God, whoever, the ancestors, that they are valid and that, you know, be patient, stand still if need be, or act in a way that uh, is the way that you're being moved to act. Oh, I love it. And what is a favorite gift to yourself? Ah, favorite gift to myself? Uh, I would assume time, because it's something that I don't have a lot of. Oh, I love it. And really, you know, going through this pandemic and, and working as much as I do, you know, recognizing that, hey, I do work a lot, uh, and that taking a break a day not to do anything is is needed it's warranted and it's okay to do did you psychically know my next question no did not. <laughs> the next question is you have a day off what are you looking forward to doing well uh i finished a book called the children of blood and bone by tomi adeyemi um i just got the sequel to the book the children of virtue and vengeance and I'm looking forward to starting that. Oh, I can't remember if I've read the first one or not. It sounds so familiar, but you know, sometimes you can't remember if you read the book or enough of your friends read it that you've heard it so many times <laughs> it feels like you read it. She's been on Jimmy Fallon. It's a, it's a Nigerian fantasy novel. Yes, and there uh, for a while I was reading a bunch of those. So that's oh, why I was like- Nigerian oh, fantasy novels, okay. Yes. Respect. <laughs> I have a, a sci-fi love that goes through so many different things. I know there was more than one. I, 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 I need yes. some recommendations. Yes, I'd have to look in my um, my Kindle library because there for a while I was reading a whole bunch of books in that particular genre. And that's why you're so smart. <laughs> I don't know about all that. Blame <laughs> it on my parents. Ah. <laughs> What's one thing you do as someone disrespects you or underestimates you? I think it's easy um, when they underestimate you just to prove them wrong, not by arguing or raising your voice, but just by through your actions. 
you know, if you think that I can't do something, I'm going to do it and do it well and maybe do it better than anybody else has done it before. Uh, showing people instead of just telling people, I think, is sometimes more effective. Disrespect uh, doesn't happen often. Uh, when I, my students sometimes get unruly, I change the tone of my voice. Uh, I don't like to raise it, but I will start talking very calmly, and they say it sends a shiver up, uh, shiver up their spine. It's the Ooh. funniest thing because I'll laugh after they get scared. And I'm just like, what do you think I'm going to do? I mean, <laughs> but I, I do tell them, I'm like, you know, we can be loose and we can laugh in class, but we have an agenda. And if you want to be chaos, I'm going to be order. And we're going to get through this lesson, whether you, you know, the easy way or the hard way. But I love that. If you're going to be chaos, I'm going to be order. <laughs> oh, I feel like that's a t-shirt. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, that might be a good side hustle again. Just saying. <laughs> what is your superpower? This is the last one. Uh, superpower, I think, um, being a historian, um, intellectual curiosity, um, knowing stuff about history, you know, and, and wanting to know more. And, you know, a, a superpower is not without a, its kinks. I think, you know, as I tell my students, I know a lot. I went to grad school for 10 years, but I don't know everything. And I keep an open mind to allow my students to teach me if I'm wrong. Uh, they taught me the new name of a, 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 a kingdom in Southern Africa. I'm like, wait a minute, when did they change this? And uh, they were right. So, you know, that, that's my superpower. But, you know, kryptonite is, I don't know if it's really kryptonite, but just new information is kryptonite, I guess or kryptonite light. Oh, we'll be like, uh, do you go down the rabbit hole? Oh gosh, I, you know, I've gone down so many rabbit holes, the history rabbit hole, the YouTube rabbit hole, the Netflix <laughs> rabbit hole. Uh, I'm yeah. guilty of the Netflix. So There's some good stuff. There's some good stuff on there. Uh, can I give you a recommendation on Netflix? Yes. Uh, there is a, a South African show called, a uh, series called How to Ruin a Wedding. The Christmas I see it. Oh, it was great. It was great. It was so good. It was so good. And I think the same directors, there are uh, their siblings, three siblings. They also did one called Seriously Single, which was really good as well. But I'm looking I forward to their I've next. I've seen that one, but I know I saw How to Ruin a Wedding. Oh, was... I love that one. I love that. Oh, no. <laughs> Like you literally just are ducking and dodging your own TV and closing your eyes because you're like, <laughs> just shake your head with yeah. one eye kind of open a little bit. Right. But it was good. It was good. So on the Netflix, I'd love to ask, do you have any final takeaways or thoughts you'd like to leave the audience with? Um, I, I think um, make sure you're connecting with friends and family. Uh, make sure that you cultivate patience and, and um, that you really lead with love. I think uh, in normal times, I think it's really important to be uh, empathetic uh, with the plight of others. Uh, but I think even more so when life is a little bit harder and people, including myself, we're, we're losing people who we know and who are dear to us or who people who are ill. And life is a little bit more complicated than it usually is. But try to do the best that you can on a daily basis. I know many of us are exhausted. Do what you can. It's going to be okay. And, and take care of yourself. And take care of, as uh, I think Jerry Springer said, the, the great philosopher Jerry Springer, take care of yourself and each other. I think that's a good philosophy. The other stuff probably Ooh, leave out. Jerry Springer of all people. That was Jerry Springer, the old mayor of Cincinnati. Who knew? Right. Right. Well, I mean, number one, we are just blessed to have this quality time. Um, but my next question is, is there any place that the people can find you if they're interested in some more Miller, Bill Boyd, the third, the doctor, <laughs> the historian? Oh, gosh. Uh, the you know, legend? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, there are several things that I've done with the History Museum that you can find online. Uh, Missouri Historical, uh, Missouri History Museum. Um, I am on Twitter, but not much lately. I've been kind of going light on social media, but you can follow me at Doc, D-O-C, M-W-B, the number three, uh, at Twitter. 
Uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Uh, I'm really focused right now on teaching and uh, doing other things in the community. So, well, I mean, I can't hate on you for not just living your life on the internet. So. And, and find me in, at Dr. Erica's podcast. It's where Yay. you can find me. Um, the first thing I just have to say is thank you for giving of yourself and your time. I know you have a ton of things going on, um, but I appreciate you, Bill, for taking time to spend with me and my listeners. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure when I can see you, whether it's in person or on the computer. Uh, and we miss you here in St. Louis. Come back and visit and we can make our own chicken wings. I, I miss it. My mother has come up with some, she's came up with some respectable chicken wings in the air fryer with the homemade sauce that are respectable. Okay, I need that recipe. I know, but it's not the same as sitting on the corner of Maryland and... It's not. Um, Maryland and Euclid, yeah. Yeah, nothing's going to be the same as that, but at some point we just have to let it go. We got to let it go. And I'd love to say thank you to all of you listeners out there that you know, trust me enough to have myself and my guests all up in your ears. So thank you so much for all of your love, support, and taking time out to take a listen. I totally appreciate it. My final thought is simply, it is so important for us to know where all of us came from. That I know in this particular country, we history ends up so segmented and there's a context for all of us and none of us exist in this country independently without another human being so just as i know with the uptick in racial injustice when people could actually hear it and see it that everyone went out to you know read white fragility and (laughs) all of the things is that it's important for all of us to have an understanding of the collective history it has huge implications for identity. And a lot of these crises of identity is what drive people into seeing someone like me professionally. Because when people either feel an issue of not having clarity with their own identity, feeling unhappy with their identity, or somehow feeling empty, that oftentimes leads them to a psychiatrist or some other type of therapist. And there is something that is beautiful about understanding where you came from and who you are that builds a level of confidence that just translates over so many areas of your life that having confidence in who you are and just in general allows people to be more successful professionally, to have more stable interpersonal relationships and to just feel better about themselves. And at the end of the day, we're here to be better, do better and live better. And I want you to have the best. So I just want to encourage people to, you know, we had a a talk about some history. You need to learn some. All of us can learn more history and know more history. All of us can do better at understanding more of what's going on in current events and by understanding what's going on in current events it also allows us to have a better presence in the political process when it comes to voting and looking at who actually represents us and what kind of policies are looking over our communities so i I just want people to work to be present from a historical context and also in the context of your own life so that's what i got for you today those are my words of my words of wisdom and my nuggets. Again, thanks so much for hanging out with us. I, I love all of this time we do together. And there's one, well, there are multiple ways, but this is one way for you to show your love back because I, I know you're good people, is if you could follow or subscribe to this podcast, share it with other folks because, you know, nobody wants this to be the best kept secret. And the last thing is if you're on Apple Podcasts or on Audible, if you can rate and review, that would be lovely. I would really appreciate it. And five stars makes me feel even better. But um, until next time, just continue to, as my guest was talking about, make sure you, you hold on to love and the people that you care about. Make sure that you reach out. I tell you my normal prescription on my live streams, which is, Call at least one person and tell them that you love them. 
I bet they'll tell it to you back and you're going to help fill each other's love bucket because right now we're going to get through everything going on. It's going to take love, faith, and grace. So that's what I have for you this time. Until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button, then click share and click rate and review. Now, don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible. But I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better. Better with Dr. Erica. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Hopeful Hints, hosted by Dr. Tara, guides and supports those on the often challenging and isolating journey of women's health concerns and infertility. There's a particularly powerful episode that you should check out called All Things Endometriosis, which dives deep into understanding the condition to help the many women who suffer from endometriosis and have no idea they have it, and healthcare providers who are uneducated about it, making the diagnosis process so difficult. Check out Hopeful Hints on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.